the whole process of, of not dating till we're ready to get married, then dating once you're ready to get married, selfishly looking for the best one for you, um, getting engaged, going through the engagement process, coming to the wedding day, going through each step of the wedding. This is, this is not just a system to follow. And if you're a good girl, you do it, you do everything the right way. It's, it's, it's completely in sync with our inner world, with our inner desire, and, and takes each step sensitively and carefully so that we should feel free to be ourselves and go ahead and live out our deepest desire for oneness and for unity and for marriage for someone else in our life without getting scared off. Because it, this desire is not a good idea. This desire is not practical. This desire is like who we are. It's just, who am I? His other half. I yearn for him. We yearn to be together. I feel like myself when we're together. And it doesn't really make sense. And it would be easier without that desire. But, but it's not an option. It's who we are. And because it's not practical, and because it's... Um, not necessarily logical, it's, we have to be very sensitive and careful around this desire to get married because we don't want to scare ourselves off. We don't want to put up a guard that blocks our yearning so that we don't, we can't feel it. And we want to pretend that, that, um, that we don't have that desire because our logic might have many reasons why we shouldn't get married. And for practicality purposes, um, we might have another way of life that's easier to live. Getting married is very vulnerable. Inviting another person into your life is extremely vulnerable. And you, 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 know, you can satisfy your deepest desire and feel like yourself and feel the greatest pleasure, but you also run the risk of getting hurt in the deepest way. That if you never invited somebody into your life, you wouldn't have to worry about that. It's much, it seems much more protected. Like I'm not letting someone in so close so they can't actually hurt me that deeply. So there's many reasons why we might cover up our yearning and wanna pretend that it's not there and get afraid, become afraid of it. So because of that, we every step of the process has to be treated respectfully and carefully and wisely, you know, from a young age, when you start feeling your hormones or feeling the desire or feeling attraction to boys, you've got to understand it, understand it, know what you want to do with it, know when it's the right time to go there, when it's not the right time to go there, when should you be feeling these feelings, when should you not indulge in these feelings, um, starting to feel those feelings and go there, go with them before we're actually ready to let somebody into our life is, is, is eventually it's, we're gonna get hurt or we're gonna hurt somebody else's deep core yearning. Um, and, and allowing ourselves to feel those feelings of yearning with somebody who's not interested in marriage, we're gonna get hurt, no question. So we have to be smart about it. We have to know when do I want to go to that place? 
And um, with who do I want to go to that place? Um, and it's got to be the right person and it's got to be the right time. So even with, even with your, the person you end up marrying, you know, you date because you know you have these feelings of wanting to let somebody in and wanting to surrender and wanting to just become one with another human being. But when you're dating him, that's not the time to go to those feelings. That's the time to go and see, would I like to open myself up to him? If it was the right time and it was the right place and he was the right person, would I feel comfortable? Um, it's, it's, we're still protecting our, our yearning. We're not letting this yearning, and, and we spoke about this from the beginning, that from the very first class, that what is the yearning for marriage? We gotta understand it clearly and verbalize it every time and all the time. It's a yearning for someone in our life, someone to be ours, to have an exclusive relationship with a someone. And it's gonna end up being your someone, the one you were separated from. So, um, so that, that yearning that we have for this oneness is very powerful. It can make the world go round. It can make a man run after you because you have that yearning. But, but which man do you want running after you? When do you want him running after you? It's, it's a powerful yearning, but we, go, we want to use it carefully and selectively. So it's kind of like putting on the vacuum. You know, a vacuum is a wonderful tool. It can vacuum up all the dust and all the dirt on the ground, but when do we turn it on? Where do we turn it on? You can, you know, just, just to you know, put a vacuum and, and, and catch everything in sight is a bad idea. It's for the right dirty floor, for the right kind of dirt, at the right time, not making noise when it's not supposed to make noise, not using it for, for a wrong purpose. It has a very good purpose. So use it for that purpose at the right time. And, um, and by protecting the yearning and knowing that that it's, it's power, will we'll, we'll preserve it, we'll wait. It's better to wait for that right time, not just to flirt with every guy you see. And, um, and that can feel good, but that's using our yearning with everyone, not with your someone at any time, anywhere. And, and what really actually could happen is that when you need that yearning, it might be gone. It might just sort of dissipate, like I have no more left. Kind of like you wake up in the morning, you have a lot of energy and, um, and you're ready to take on the day. And by the end of the day, you're like, I don't know if I can wash another dish. I don't know if I can put up another load. I could just barely do one more little task. Where did all that energy go? We used it. We used the energy and, um, and the energy can, can dissipate. We can use the energy on the wrong things. It's like, what was I doing all day? Everything I needed to do, I didn't do. Everything I didn't need to do, I was doing. And now to get to the important things, I have no time or I have no energy. So we wanna be protective over our energy as well, our physical energy um, to you know, use it for the right time. And the same thing with, our, with that emotional energy, with that sexual energy. 
it's, it's a very powerful magnetic energy. It's a female energy that draws the male energy in. Which male energy do you want to bring into your life, into your personal life, into your very essence? Only your husband, only your other one, any other male, it's like, yes, he's male and he'll be attracted if I let my feelings go. But, but I don't want him in my life. And it, it might even feel good because male-female energy coming together feels good. But if it wasn't the right person and it wasn't the right time, it can end up turning into hurt very quickly. And, um, and when we need the energy, we can either be afraid of going there because we were hurt or, um, or we can have none of it left. Like we're trying to tap into our sexual energy and it's, it's just not there. Um, so, um, so we, we, we really want to be very protective over this energy and know what it's there for. It's there to serve that deepest desire for achtas, for like a, a lifelong achtas. An achtas that, that, is, um, that, can last, that can last a lifetime, that the two of you feel inseparable, that you belong together, you are together, you want to be together, and you never want to be apart. How does that happen between a man and a woman? How does that happen? From that female yearning energy. She makes it happen. It can't happen any other way. It only happens through, through her yearning. So, so we need to protect it. We need to preserve it. We need to save it. I mean, not, we need to not be afraid of it um, by putting guards up. So when we, when we preserve it and we don't tap into it, that's not, that doesn't mean we're putting guards up. That means we're waiting for the right time. We're not afraid of it. We know it's there. We can't wait, but it's got to be the right person. And it's got to be the right time. That's what we were talking about with engagement, that here it's like you've, you've finally found the person you're going to be one with. And yet it's, he's still not your husband yet. It's the right person, but it's not the right time. If you have closeness before he's yours, it's going to be half a closeness, not a real closeness. And that's not going to satisfy you. That's not going to feel right to have half closeness. It might be fun. It might feel good, but not right. And, and, and if it does feel good, then, then what we're getting used to is half closeness. And we don't want to get used to half closeness. You want a closeness where, where you can let go and fully be one without, um, without having to hold back or say, oh, we really shouldn't be doing this. As soon as there's a doubt in the back of your mind that we shouldn't be this close, um, and it, it doesn't even mean touching. It just could be the way you're looking at each other, the way you're talking to each other can feel really close. And, and in the back of your mind, it could be like, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is the right time. That's, that, that ruins the closeness. It's not going to be a full closeness. It's going to be the closeness with some doubt, with some fear, with some guilt. It's got to be complete. So, it's, so even when it's the right person, we want to wait for the right time. And then um, when it's the right person, 
and it's the right time. You know, the moment you leave the chuppah, it's like everything is out of the way. Everything. There's now, it's not space separating you. It's not family separating you. It's not halacha separating you. It's not time separating you. It's everything is out of the way. There's nothing keeping you apart. The perfect thing is closeness, is achdas. When a, a day ago, you would have felt guilty. Today, there's no guilt. There's nothing in the way. You're a married couple. You belong together. And that's a time when if you have been preserving your energy and saving it for the right time, you should be able to tap into it and let it flow. Nothing stopping it because you're not used to using it in a halfway. You're, you, you never used it. You waited. And, and don't be afraid of it. Feel your yearning for your someone. And, um, and know that there's nothing keeping you apart. That's, that's the... Um, This is, this, is, this is what you've yearned for. You know, you had a big party and lots of people and it was a fancy party. What was it all about? It was because you wanted to get everything out of the way that keeps the two of you apart. You should be able to be together without any separation. And like that, you feel like yourself. Now, oh, that's right. Why is that right? Why do people want to have this huge party and celebrate that they're going to live the rest of their life together, taking up each other's space, taking up each other's time, taking up each other's money. How much sense does it make? Not very much sense. Not very logical. It only works because of our yearning, because it's who we are. This desire is just who we are, even though it doesn't make sense. So this desire that's in the, in the woman to receive her husband, to have her husband, to not feel any separation from her husband, um, that starts in her. And when he, when, the, when he, her mashpia, feels her yearning, nothing feels better in the world than being able to respond to her yearning. He feels needed. He feels that she, her yearning for him, and he feels that if he would give himself, she would be satisfied. So it's, it's, it's very selfless when he responds to the female yearning um, because it's all about her. He feels her yearning. And without her yearning, there's no way a man can give himself to a woman. You could have a man come and take from a woman where he wants some physical pleasure, or he wants some love, or he wants something. Then he's not a mashbia and he's not a giver, he's coming to take from a woman, he'll take as long as it works for him and then he'll leave because he's not, he's completely about himself. He's just thinking what he wants. And he, he actually won't feel satisfied as a male because a male gets his deepest satisfaction from giving, from responding to her yearning, her female yearning for him and being able to respond and feel like he's satisfying her that's, um, that's, the, that's his deepest pleasure. That's when he feels like himself, when he's giving. So after the chuppah and, 
and after the big celebration and the dancing and the happy and everyone's there and it's such a wonderful celebration, then Hassan and Kala go home together. They go home together. It's the two of them to the exclusion of everybody else. It's, it's magical, absolutely magical. It's like, it is so personal. It's an unbelievable feeling. When did we ever have such a personal relationship with someone where it's like just us to the exclusion of everybody else? You know, you have a friend, but she also has other friends. You have your parents, but she also has other ch parent, children. She has her husband. Every relationship is not exclusive. There's something so satisfying to our deep essential core about this exclusive relationship, just us. And, you know, if, if, if somebody looks at, um, sometimes intimacy can be separated as, as an activity of its own. So it's like, I'm excited to, to start a family. I'm excited to have a husband. I'm excited to have a wedding. I'm excited to start a life together and have our own apartment and get it ready. And that's all exciting. But then there's this thing that we have to do together that could be a little scary come home from the, the wedding the first night and we have to do something together, that, that, that activity can be scary. So I'm excited about everything else, but just intimacy is scary. And that's a problem. If we look at intimacy as a separate, there's, there, he's my husband, there's our home, there's our you know, life together, and there's this thing we do together. And it's only us, nobody, I don't do it with anybody else in the world just us, we do this together, where we have, you know, nothing separating us, the two bodies come together, and they do this pleasurable activity together. If we look at it that way, then it's very scary for many people. For some people, it's not scary because they're excited. Some, you know, their sexual drive might be strong, and they can't wait to satisfy their yearning for um, for sexual pleasure, and they can separate it. They can say, well, there's marriage and family life and holy life and, and, and Yiddishkeit and, and taking care of a home and cooking dinner. And then there's this pleasure that's another kind of pleasure in life, which is called sexual pleasure. And we'll do this activity together and it'll feel so good. Um, that might be exciting for some people, but it's still missing the point. Even if it's exciting for them and not scary, it might feel good, but it won't be the pleasure of intimacy. It won't create a binyan adeyad. It won't make a couple bond as, as, as feeling so much like one that they can't ever imagine themselves apart. Why, what's the difference? It's the same activity. If they're looking at it, at it as an activity, as something they do together for this very specific pleasure of physical, sexual pleasure, even if they enjoy, it won't, it won't bond them. Why? Because that's exactly what the apister is trying to, to, to prevent by telling us, don't be together with a man outside of marriage. Why shouldn't you be together with a man outside of marriage? because it's not gonna be unity, it's just gonna be an activity, 
a fun activity, but an activity where male is using female for his pleasure and female is using male for her pleasure. And there's nothing good about that. There's nothing holy about that. It's just, it's kind of two people using each other. That's never allowed. The Abishter does you're not allowed to use a man for his, for your pleasure. Use a woman for his pleasure, not allowed. So when are you allowed to be together with a man? When it's in marriage, you've gotten married under the chuppah, it's the right time, not during nida, after the mikvah, it's the perfect time. And now what happens between husband and wife? Not an activity not an activity of sexual pleasure that he's looking for from her and she's looking from him. Not, not at all. Why is it the Kaidish HaKadashim? Why is it the holiest that a man and woman can be together? Because what happens between a husband and wife at the right time with the right mindset is not an activity at all. It's, it's the lack of the lack of, of activity, the lack of anything between them. So what would it look like if for a moment you can take everything that separates them, the husband from the wife away? So during the day, they, have their, they each have a different schedule. They each have a different job. They each have a different appetite. They're both hungry. They have to feed themselves. They both have a different opinion. They both have a different mood. There's so much keeping them apart, even though they're married. So it's like, we, we went to the chuppah, we got married. It's such a pleasure, not enough. It feels good to be married, but not enough. That female pleasure, that female yearning is still not feeling satisfied, still feeling alone. It's like, we're just, we're not close enough. There's still too much dividing us. And so, if, if you would try to take kind of like a process of elimination, let's get everything out of the way. We were thinking and worrying about something. Okay, we spoke about it, we got it out of the way. What else? What else can you get out of the way? Anything that you can take out of the way that separates, it's got to be removed. And that's why um, husband and wife are not allowed to be wearing anything because even clothing can get between them. We have to take our thoughts out of the way before entering the bedroom. It's like clear your mind, discuss whatever you need to discuss before entering the bedroom get everything out of the way. We're, it's a process of elimination. What's gonna happen when you take everything out of the way? And, and again, this is why you enter the bedroom and the lights are off. For the time of intimacy, the lights are closed. It's dark in the room, why? Because if you're seeing each other, then there's still something between you. There's where he starts and ends, where you start and end, what you look like, what he looks like. You're still seeing things about each other, things that separate you from each other, and it's still too much in the way. 
So the lights have to be off. There has to be no sound because if there's a radio playing, if there's music playing, if there's noise outside the window, if there's a baby crying, it's, it's not, it's, there's still something between you. There's you and him and the music. It's not gonna be Yachtas. So um, that's why they say it's preferable to wait till like one o'clock in the morning, till it's, it's late and there's no noise outside or whatever time things quiet down in different people's neighborhoods. Why? Again, process of elimination. What are we trying to accomplish through this process of elimination? We're trying to be left with only him and her, nothing else, nothing to keep them separated. And when it's just him and her, the, the magnetic energy from the woman of her yearning, drawing her husband to her, her desire for him, a new entity is created. It's, it's this us. It's the, the power of intimacy of we are one, which is such a holy state to be in. And it's a hard place to stay. It doesn't last for very long because thoughts start coming back, moods start coming back, you know, tired starts coming, all kinds of things start creeping back in. And, and, and that powerful moment has passed where that, the, the, the female yearning for her, her other, her someone, for her husband, was free to go all the way without stopping. Her yearning is for him. When does she ever really have him? She's married, so it's our apartment, it's our table, it's our meal, it's our, but, but it's us and, and the table and the food and the dishes and the, when is it just us, him and her? That's intimacy. So it's not, nothing is changing. It's not like, well, whatever I was doing all day long, now I'm doing something different. Now I'm going into my sexual part of me. And I have to wake that up and it's hard to wake it up. Sometimes it's awake, sometimes it's not. The, the desire for sexual pleasure is very different than the desire for him. The desire for him is always there, always there. We, we, we don't always go to it because it's not the right time. It might be the right person, but, but we're in the store. So we're not tapping into that yearning. So it's gotta be the right person, but it's also gotta be the right time. And when it's the right person and it's the right time and it's the right place, then nothing's in the way and it's, it's perfection. She's living, she's just being herself without anything stopping her from being herself. So nothing new is starting. Whatever she was trying to do in the living room and in the kitchen and at the wedding, is what's is finally happening. It's finally fully happening. We, it's just us. And the pleasure of that is a very edela pleasure. And it's a very deep, satisfying pleasure, but very edel and innocent. It doesn't leave a woman or a husband or wife feeling a little grub or a little not so tzniyas, or a little like, oh, should we really be doing this? Never will she feel that way because 
she's just being herself. Her desire is to have him. And finally, nothing's in the way and it's, it's just us together. You feel more innocent than you did before you were together. Because this is the holiest voice inside of you, that desire for him. But the desire for sexuality is kind of like taking our desire for him and like cheapening it and making it all about, I guess it's kind of like eating, where why do we eat? We eat to set, because we're hungry. We have a real need for food and nutrition. And that's why we eat. Now the food we eat should taste good. And because it tastes good, we're in the mood of satisfying our hunger more easily because it's also gonna taste good to our mouth. But we don't eat for our mouth. We eat for our, our core hunger, internal hunger. And when you eat a good meal, your hunger is satisfied for a while. But your mouth is not satisfied because there's nothing to satisfy in your mouth. Your mouth will never have enough good food because it doesn't have a need. It only has a want. It wants good food, good taste. But the stomach will be satisfied because the stomach has a real need that when, when, when satisfied, it feels good. And let's go. I don't need another sandwich. I had one and I feel good. But to the mouth, one potato chip, two potato chips, three potato chips, it never has enough. One chocolate, two chocolate, because you're not having the potato chip or the chocolate for your stomach. You're having it for your mouth, for your taste buds. So it's a little perverted and it's a little not sensitive if we begin to eat for our mouth. It's like, hello, don't you realize that the mouth is just there to serve the stomach? The mouth has a job to help the stomach get what it needs. Don't, don't take the stomach out of the picture. It was never about the mouth. It was always about the stomach. But of course, the food should taste good, and it will taste good. That's what's happened in our world to intimacy. They've taken intimacy and the core need for a someone, and they've, well, who cares about that need? I don't really want someone in my life. But that, that coming together of male and female also really feels good. And so that feeling good became the goal. I just want potato chips. I just want it to taste good. I don't care who it is. It could be any, it could be any food that tastes good. It could be any man that will make me feel good. It could be any woman that makes me feel good. And that's what's happened in the world where they've taken it away from the need that can be satisfied to just the feeling that comes along with it and made that feeling the goal. And because of that, people are so unsatisfied sexually and especially intimately. People can have a sexual relationship every day, every night of the year, and they're not satisfied. They, they can't ever have enough. They never feel good because the feeling, the good physical feeling is never the goal. The goal was always the someone that you wanted to be with. So, um, so the goal of, of being together, when that happens, that satisfies, that leaves a deep feeling of like, ah, I'm full, I have him. Did it feel good physically? Of course. It's gotta feel, it, it, it feels good. 
But the feeling good was never the goal. The goal was to have him. And when you feel that you have him, that's when you feel full and satisfied and you feel like a woman and you can do anything. But the physical feeling of how it felt, that doesn't do anything for you. That feels good at the moment, but doesn't do anything more. Doesn't make you feel like your, your need is full. Doesn't make you feel not alone. It doesn't make you feel like a woman. Doesn't make you feel that special power that a woman gets that she can do anything. It comes from that yearning for her someone feeling full, that she doesn't feel alone. Intimacy is powerful. It makes you feel like you are not alone in the world ever again. Physical sexual pleasure does not do that. It feels good at the moment. And what's happened in our world is that that feeling of good became the goal. So what we wanna remember is that never change the subject of conversation. The conversation is always your someone is your goal. I don't want to be just me. I want to be with you. You are my pleasure. You are my goal. If I'm with you, everything is good. Even though things might not be as I want them to, but you're here, that's perfect. We'll manage. We'll manage with everything that's not right. But as long as we're together. And that's why the, you know, a husband and wife that are together never say, how was it? It wasn't an experience that you have to judge or evaluate or how did it feel? It's not an it. There's no it in the room. If there's him and her and the activity that they're doing, then there is an it that can be evaluated. Was it good? Was it better? Was it worse? then there's, there's three in the room, him, her, and it. There's no achtas. But when it's not looked at as an activity that, that needs to be evaluated or, or it needs to be judged or needs to have expectations, but it's just, we tried our best to get everything out of the way so it can be just us. Do we always succeed? Do we always get everything out of the way? Does it always feel like the deepest achtas? No, that would be miraculous. Very often, something's still on the mind, something's still, um, they're not, they didn't fully, fully get everything out of the way to be able to feel each other. So the intimacy might not always feel as powerful, but the way it should be looked at is we are striving to get everything out of the one and feel our achtas, feel our oneness. Will we always do it? No. But the goal is always the same and the conversation is always the same. I'm trying to get to you. I'm not trying to have an, an activity that I have certain expectations for of how it has to feel and how it has to look and what has to happen. There's no expectations and there's no judgment. There's just us. And sometimes we, we got everything out of the way and sometimes we didn't. But at least we're headed in the right direction. We're striving. We're striving for our achtos. We're striving to feel him and her and nothing else. We're striving to feel the pleasure of each other. And when that's the goal, then the pleasure is there. Um, it, it has a powerful effect no matter what. When that's the goal, then even if it's not always achieved, and all the, even if it's not always uh, uh, this feeling of an immense pleasure, because where does the immense pleasure comes from? 
it comes from feeling like an us. It, feel, it comes from, from, from this letting go and fully feeling him and not feeling yourself. Does that always happen? No, sometimes it's hard to let go. Sometimes it's hard to fully let him in, but that's always the goal. And when that's always the goal, then there's always a pleasure. Sometimes the pleasure's in, at the time of coming together, and sometimes the pleasure's the next morning or later in the day, later in the night of, of, of feeling like we yearn for each other. We're striving to, to be one, we're striving to get everything, and the, the feeling um, that can be experienced after intimacy is the feeling of closer than before. We feel closer to each other than before. We feel more bonded and we feel more innocent and edel and sneeze. And the, the feeling of, of that's gotten after sexual pleasure when the goal was an activity or the goal was it is, is a very different feeling. The feeling can be a lack of edelkite, a lack of sneeze, and actually feeling a little bit more estranged from each other, a little bit more embarrassed from each other. When the focus was the body and what you can do to make the body feel good, it can actually cause more distance between a husband and wife. And, and what's supposed to bring the two of them together, to bond them with no separation between them, um, the, the power of intimacy can actually have the opposite effect. When it's looked at as sex or as a sexual activity, it can actually have an opposite effect on the couple. They could be happy every, in every other part of their marriage where they like having an apartment together and they like being married to each other and they like doing things together. But the physical intimacy could be pulling them apart because they're looking at it as an activity. And when you do something like that together and you don't see it for its edelkite and you don't see it for what it is, it will make you more embarrassed of each other. It's a little animalistic. It's like going to the table and just gobbling up all the chocolate on the table and like, it's, you feel a little embarrassed after. Maybe at the moment that you were doing it, you just had this taiva, your, your mouth couldn't control itself. But then you're like, oh my gosh, I just ate a whole bag of, of chocolates, a whole bag of potato chips. I feel nauseous and I feel embarrassed. And I hope nobody saw what I just did. So here it's like acting animalistic where you're trying to get this physical pleasure and you're asking someone else to do it for you. And, um, and but, but you weren't alone in the room. There was somebody else there. It's a little embarrassing. So this is, this is a very important conversation and we want to stress how the, the absolute edelkite of intimacy. That this is, this is like the holiest we can be. Never something to be embarrassed of, never something to feel, you know, we want it too often or it's too, it's something halavai to be able to be together as often as possible and, um, and, and to feel the greatest pleasure from, from being together and not feeling um, embarrassed, like how could we be, you know, doing something like this together that was never allowed before and now it's allowed and it's kind of confusing. What wasn't allowed before is still not allowed. A, um, 
a husband and wife taking from each other, a man or a woman taking from each other, that's never allowed. It wasn't allowed before marriage and it's not allowed after marriage. But that's not what happens. Upstairs, they're upstairs. Um, so, um, so if we look at it from the right lens and we understand it for what it is, it's a different world. It's an absolutely different world. And it's, it's totally in sync with our inner core, with our inner desire. And it works with us. It serves us. It doesn't work against us. It doesn't feel unnatural. Like I'm a Tzniyas girl, an Adel girl my whole life. What, what's going on? It's with absolute modesty. There's nothing to see. It's, it's, it's a, a process of elimination, getting everything out of the way to be as edel as you can be. What's, what's the absolute edelkeit? Your desire for him is so selfless. So selfless. And, and you're getting everything out of the way so that all that's left is that deep desire. And... Um, And let it do its magic. It will. It's bigger than you. It's, it's, it comes from like your chaya yechida. You know, it's something bigger than you. Let it, let it do its thing. Just get out of the way. Get everything out of the way. And your, your, the deeper part of you that's even bigger than you will, will take over. And you'll feel like yourself, like you never did before. And a little secret is that um, a woman covering her hair once she gets married is, is a magical trick for this inner yearning because it's through a woman's hair that this energy can leave her body. Like the hair is attached to us and goes out from us. So it takes what's in out and and our, this, this female yearning, this, sens this, this yearning for him is such a powerful yearning. Once you're married, you, you've now tapped into that yearning much more than you ever did before. It's alive. It's alive in you. It's, 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 it's a big part of your life. And um, by covering our hair, that preserves this energy. So, you know, when people say we save our, our hair for our husband, it's not that you save your hair, so you cover your hair so only your husband should see your hair. No, that, that's a lack of edelkite. That's a lack of tzniyas. You cover your hair and your, your energy is preserved. What could go out from, from, you know, because it's attached to you and it goes out from you, the energy has an escape route and it can leave the body. Also different parts of the body that are used in intimacy should be covered also. That's all the standards of Sneas is the body that's used in intimacy and, and that by covering that, that preserves the energy. It doesn't allow that, that energy to leave and by preserving it, you're now full. You're full with the energy when you need it. Kind of like flirting with every guy around, that energy is going to be used up. So even if you're not flirting, just by being uncovered, 
it allows the energy to go. And that's why we take on the additional modesty once we're married, covering our hair, because the energy is so much more powerful and more alive in us. Once we're married, we use that additional protection to keep it safe, to keep it inside, to keep it powerful, and to be able to direct it. Your husband doesn't need to see that energy. You don't need to uncover your hair in front of your husband for him to feel that energy. You don't need to uncover your body for him to feel that energy. It's most powerful when it's full inside of you, and that's through covering, and that's why even during intimacy, the, um, the hair is covered, and the blanket is over over the two of you so that again that's it's a covering that keeps the energy inside and keeps it full inside of you so that you can be tapped in to that yearning and the best way for your husband to feel it is to is when it doesn't even need to be said when he can just it's so real in you he senses it he picks it up and he can't help but respond it's like magnetic if you have to say the energy or if you have to show it through uncovering it cheapens the powerful energy um it cheapens the magnet and makes it harder to connect the more powerful it is inside of 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 her the more easily the magnet can come the the male female ma magnetic energy is there and they can come together so it's a a powerful energy every part of our tradition of of Protecting a woman from from age three is brilliant, with modesty, with sneers, with dating and, and engagement and marriage and tarasa mishpacha. Every one of our halachas and chumras and minhagim are trying to protect this female energy because this energy makes the world go round. And um, and men are in awe of this energy, and we we want to protect it and preserve it and respect it um and and that makes for a beautiful life when this is full and when when we're not afraid of tapping into this energy that's where the magic in a home comes from because when the wife yearns for her husband and the husband feels it and responds to her that's a magical and holy home it doesn't get better than that and then the children are born into such achdus, into such selflessness that, that, you know, that, that unity and achtas becomes their pleasure. And um, what a beautiful way to bring a child into the world. Um, and we'll talk more about having a baby in pregnancy next, next week. But that's a little bit about intimacy.